Hello and welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where each week, Pastor Jeff Cranston explores biblical theology that provides practical life applications in an understandable way. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hello again, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Tiffany Coker, along with my dad, Pastor Jeff Cranston. We're seeking not only to help you know deep, solid biblical theology, but to know the Word of God and the promises of God that are given to us in His Word, all while holding to solid theological truths in your heart, soul, and mind. On today's podcast, we're continuing with a brief overview of the Old Testament book known to us as the Book of Judges. Beginning with episode number 143, we've discussed, studied now over a dozen Old and New Testament books with their theological themes. So if you've missed any, we encourage you to go back and give those a listen. Today, we're diving into the book of Judges. And Dad, right here at the outset, I have to ask why Christians would study a book like Judges that could easily be rated R for its content if this was a movie produced by Hollywood. And I'm going to stop you right here and let you know that if you have kids listening with you, if you're riding in the car, you might want to hit pause or even just jump ahead 30 seconds. I'm going to read a quote here and your kids may have a few questions about it that you aren't quite ready to answer yet today. So this is what author Miles Van Pelt writes about this book. Let me just say, we're not going to say a bunch of cuss words or anything (laughs) like that, but it's pretty graphic describing some of the things that happen in in the book of Judges. And this is the only time we're going to mention them in the podcast. So if you got kids listening, you might want to just fast forward 30 seconds or just hit pause. But And then the rest of the podcast, you won't have any worries. Anybody, it's all G-rated from here on out. Never thought we'd have to say that at a podcast. <laughs> I didn't think so. All right. But here, here we are. So author Miles Van Pelt writes this. Death and slaughter, human sacrifice and betrayal, illicit sex and scandal saturate the pages of this book. Ehud murders Eglon and leaves him to rot in his own fecal matter. Jephthah sacrifices his only daughter as a burnt offering because of a vow he has made to the Lord. Samson spends a night with a prostitute. A Levite cuts up his concubine who has been brutally raped to death and sends her dismembered body throughout Israel in order to incite war. In the book of Judges, we observe clearly that life is messy and foul and complicated, and that it is the cycle of our own sin that creates these problems. All right. So thanks, everybody, for joining. We'll see you next week here on Kitchen say, Table with the House. Aren't you glad you're here today? You're, you're, coming, you're coming out strong, coming out swinging today, <laughs> Tiff. But yeah, you're right. And uh, Kitchen Table Theologian, from here on out, no, no worries. But that, yeah, that's pretty graphic. But that's the book of Judges. Uh, it's a book that quite often, if you could remove one of the books out of the canon of Scripture, this might be the one because it engenders so many questions about God and God's people and some of the stuff that was going on. Um, this is not a book generally that you read to your kids or your grandkids at bedtime um, or or even that you read for yourself before going to bed for that matter. But what Judges is, it's part of the historical framework of Israel 
that's also described in Joshua, and then you have Judges, and then you have the books of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. They all interweave together. And the narrative of Judges, as we look at it today, recounts Israel's history prior to their exile. And Judges illustrates the dire consequences of what happens when you have a lack of faithful leadership and what you see here paves the way for the discussion of a monarchy for Israel in the books of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. So, Dad, we've already started today a little bit differently than we can normally get started. So let's go with that. What if we just do things a little bit different today? And I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions about the book since Judges really probably isn't too well known. And then at the end, you can share with us a few of the theological themes. How's that? That That's great, as long as I don't have to give rapid-fire answers. <laughs> okay. Can't, can't make any promises. No promises. How about beginning with a question that I know you and your personality, this is what you often like to end with, but let's start with it today. We have the book of Judges before us. It is obviously a key book of the Old Testament, you said, recounting the history of Israel. We know that we should be somewhat familiar with it. It's in the Bible. It's meant we need to know something about it. But here's a question that you like to ask. So what? Yeah, and I always love some so what questions. I, so After all is said and done, and we've done our Bible study, we've done our reading, so what? What difference should it make in my life? This book was written thousands of years ago. Um, I'm not a Jewish person, or most of us aren't. None of us were alive then. It seems so dramatically removed from our day and age. So, so what? We read all of this. What impact, if any, should it have? What Judges makes it very clear that everything in life for the child of God depends upon faithful obedience to the Lord. And at the same time, throughout the book of Judges, we see God repeatedly offering people a fresh start. All throughout the book, there is this ongoing tension, I suppose we could call it, between God's justice and God's mercy, okay? A tension between God's justice and his mercy. In my book, Happily Ever After, I tell the story of a woman who one day walked through the park after work, and she saw a photographer there. She stopped to have her picture taken by this photographer. She, he snapped a few photos, and she was quite excited to receive this immediate printout from the digital camera. But when she looked at it, her countenance dropped. She turned to the photographer and rather sharply said, this is not right. This is just not right. You have done me no justice. And the photographer looked at the picture, and then he looked at her, and he said, Ma'am, you don't need justice. What you need is mercy. I, I, I like that. It's terrible. but And I don't think that's a true story, by the way, but it does make the point. And, and, and I'll bet when he said that, that added a whole lot of tension to the justice-mercy thing with him and her. Mer mercy's a term. Anyway, we all generally know what mercy means this compassionate response uh, from one person to another. And in the case of judges, it, you have this compassionate response of God 
toward his people Israel. Uh, God's mercy is frequently referred to or invoked in both of the Testaments. And the so what part of this, to get back to your question a half an hour ago, the so what part of this <laughs> is that 21st century believers, we live within that tension also. So as we read Judges, we can discover ways to live within the tension between God's justice and God's mercy. I think at first glance, God's justice and his mercy don't always seem compatible to us. After justice involves the deliverance of deserved punishment for a wrongdoing, while mercy seems more to be all about pardon and compassion for the offender. But dad, I know you believe that these two attributes of God do in fact form a unity, I guess you could say, within God's character. Explain that a little bit for us. Yeah, Christianity is unique in that God's mercy is shown through his justice. There is no setting aside of justice to make room for mercy. The, The Christian doctrine, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, the doctrine of penal substitution, the the death of Christ, states that sin and injustice were punished at the cross, and it's only because the penalty of sin was satisfied through Christ's sacrifice that God extends his mercy to undeserving sinners who look to him for salvation. So we see his justice played out on the cross, but through justice comes mercy. And therefore today, we still live within the tension of mercy and justice, but we have seen God's mercy shown to us through justice, that justice which was metered out or to Jesus, or not metered, meted, or I, don't, I can't think of a synonym for meted, M-E-T-E-D, anyway. This justice was meted out to Jesus. It was placed upon him, our sacrifice on the cross. So we are living as recipients of mercy through justice as Christians. So far, our rapid-fire questioning is not going well. This no, might no. not be our strength. Well, the, the questions are going <laughs> okay. well. The answers are not, not exactly as I think rapid. I've only asked one. <laughs> let's keep going. Right, I'll We're do sort better. Of, yes, I will too. Okay, let's try another one. Where exactly do we find the book of Judges in the Old Testament? Short and sweet, Judges is the seventh book of the Old Testament. It follows the book of Joshua. He was the successor of Moses. He led the Israelites into Canaan, the promised land. Judges precedes the book of Ruth, who we will soon learn about, Lord willing. Fun fact, Ruth was the great-grandmother of King David. Very cool. Next question. Who wrote the book of Judges, and when was it written? Okay, the, the ESV Study Bible. That's the English Standard Version Study Bible, which I think is a just an excellent resource. It says that nowhere in Scripture is an author of this book named. Jewish tradition identifies Samuel as the author of Judges, but there's really no evidence at all to support that claim. But it could have been Samuel. We know that the events in Judges took place in the period between Joshua's death and the rise of Samuel and Saul there in, in 1 Samuel. Most of the book was likely, probably, written by the time of David, 
So that gives us an estimated date of between 1010 and 970 BC. So about a thousand years before the time of Christ. Kitchen Table Theologians, we will link the ESV study Bible for you in the show notes in case you're interested in that because it is a great resource. But moving on with our rapid fire questions. Last, maybe last one here, getting closer. If we open our Bibles tomorrow morning and decide, okay, I'm going to start reading Judges, what do I need to know going in? How should I approach reading the book of Judges? Yeah, it's good to know that the book of Judges is an account of Israel's history from the death of Joshua up to the birth of Samuel that displays Israel's need for leadership and good government. There, there's no king, so God sends them judges. The book's also a collection of stories about tribal heroes, that the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And these heroes have, and the, the stories are structured around this recurring formula, and it's cyclical, repentance, deliverance. So Israel sinks into apostasy, that is, they are They've left God. They're following false gods. Then there's oppression placed upon them. Then they cry out to God, and then they're delivered by God. And as this formula deteriorates over time, we, you, you can just readily observe Israel's ever-worsening decline. It, it, it doesn't keep getting better. It keeps getting worse. The close of the book, the last verse says it all. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And, and that is a formula for absolute anarchy, not too dissimilar to what we see today. That is quite a sobering way to close and end the book of Judges. All right, that gives us a little bit of background on the book of Judges, tells us a little bit about it. Let's move into some of the theological themes. Can you share with us some of the themes that we see in Judges? Yep, very happy to. Let's start with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Four of the judges received the Spirit of the Lord. Othniel, Gideon, Jephthah, and most often, Samson. The first three, we read about one, one visitation of the Holy Spirit each. Samson, one, two, three, four times Samson receives or is visited by the Spirit in some sense. So the coming of the Spirit upon those four judges is described with various phrasing. For example, the Holy Spirit came upon an individual, took possession of an individual, rushed upon, or stirred but all imply that the Spirit of God empowered the judge for leadership. So here's where it gets a bit different from what we might be familiar with. We might expect the coming of the Spirit to result in a transformed life. That's what he does now. But quite the opposite thing appears in Judges. Gideon, his less-than-exemplary behavior begins after the coming of the Holy Spirit in, in uh, Judges 6, 34, and Jephthah's tragic vow. Boy, if you don't know what that tragic vow is, read chapter 11, latter part of chapter 11. Jephthah, Jephthah makes this 
just wrong-headed vow. And that vow is made tragically immediately after the arrival of the Spirit of God to him. So uh, again, the realistic view of judges refuses to leave us in our preconceived notion of what God's Spirit does. In Othniel's case, a good man is empowered to do good. That's in chapter 3. In the case of the other three, the coming of the Spirit has brought out that which was in their hearts already, and really with disastrous consequences. That's really very interesting, and I have to admit you caught me off guard a little bit when I asked about a theological theme in the book of Judges. I was not expecting you to say the Holy Spirit. I think today we're just so used to thinking about the Holy Spirit from a New Testament perspective. So that's interesting to see it from the Old Testament perspective there. Okay, give us another theme. Okay, another one would be the angel of the Lord is mentioned a lot. And I think there's a theological theme there. Fifty-nine times we read of the angel or the messenger of the Lord in the Old Testament. Eighteen of those 59 appearances occur here in Judges which is nearly one-third. Only Numbers chapter 22, which has 10 references to the angel of the Lord, comes close to this concentration. And these appearances in Judges cluster around four episodes. And I, I believe these are what theologians refer to as theophanies, a theophany. I, I'm sure that word has come up here on the podcast from time to time. What's a theophany? My own definition I wrote up is an appearance of God in human-like form to a person, or it could also be in an angelic form, to a person or to people only for a short time in order to convey a message. And we have an example of this, just to give you, kitchen table theologian, give you an example. In Judges 6, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. So Tiff, would you mind reading just, I guess, just three or four verses there. Would you mind reading that for us? Sure. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? And the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Yeah, that, that's a perfect example of what we see occur in Judges. Now, as you're listening, th this would be more readily apparent if you're reading that. But it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, okay? And Gideon said, oh, my Lord, and it's a lowercase l, if the Lord, and there he uses the word Yahweh or Jehovah, is with us, then why has this not happened? And then it says, and the Lord, Yahweh again, Jehovah, looked at him and said, so the book of Judges equates the angel of the Lord to be the Lord. And we see that often in the book. So God is interjecting himself into the human situation bringing words of direction, command, promise, and he does the same thing today through his son, Jesus Christ. 
so interesting to see that again in the Old Testament and just how God appeared to his judges, in this case, Gideon. But I do love reading all of those stories. Okay, time is running out pretty quickly here. How about one more theological theme? Okay, this is a great one. Grace. Grace. The unmerited gift of God's love and his acceptance of his people. And as you read Judges, you'll discover a rather sordid description of Israel. Tiff, you you gave us quite the sort of description at the beginning of the it podcast, <laughs> but that I think tends to overshadow all, all the horrific things that happen sometimes tend to overshadow the theme of God's provision to very obstinate, rebellious people. And time after time, God raises up deliverers who rescue Israel from oppression because of his grace, his mercy, his compassion, his pity. Several times, it's prompted by Israel's cries for help, and they confess and they repent, but not always. Even when Israel fell back into idolatry, God's angry response was to turn them over to the various peoples in the land of Canaan, but always as a time of testing, never as a time of abandonment. God always had his hand on them, always had his eye on them. So that's grace. And that theme of God's grace in response to human failure carries into our day and age for sure. When we get off the mark, God, because of his love and mercy, will do what he needs to do to draw us back to himself. And that theme of grace is one, one, one theme we see running throughout Judges. And, and Tiff, do we have time for one more really quick little fun fact here? Yes, let's do it. We all love a good fun fact. Okay, so the book of Judges, somewhat surprisingly, contains a plethora of women. At least 22 women, or sometimes they're in groups and sometimes they're individuals, 22 women appear in the book of Judges, far more than an average Old Testament book. And as the father of three daughters and soon-to-be, Lord willing, five granddaughters, I absolutely love that. That is. It is a great book. And as you said, the intenseness of it can sometimes overshadow the grace and the love and the mercy that God continues to show to his people throughout the book. Kitchen Table Theologian, thanks so much for listening today with Pastor Jeff. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a rating, a review on iTunes, and that would just really help get the word out there. You can also check out our show notes. I think I mentioned we will link a few things for you today. You can check that out and more at jeffcranston.com. Also, if you have any questions, feel free to email us, pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. As always, thanks are due to our friends at Low Country Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina, and our friends at Streamline Podcasts for making this podcast possible. We're also very grateful for our friends at Columbia International University. For 100 years, CIU has educated people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. They have undergraduate, graduate, and seminary programs both on campus and online. So you can check all of that out at ciu.edu for more info. Next week, you will have be able to hear from a special guest, Marquis Laughlin. Marquis is a performance artist, theologian, and missionary to the church in America. He has some interesting stories to tell. He's also been a friend of Pastor Jeff's for probably over 10 years now. So don't miss out on their conversation. 25 years? Is that? 
25 years. Sorry, I was way off. I said 10 years. They've been friends over 25 years. So be sure to check out their conversation next week. Until then, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks for joining us at the table. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, please check out our show notes. If you have a question from today's podcast, kindly email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.